Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Bodies and Souls, Conversations for the Jewish Woman. My name is Sarah. I'm a certified teacher and school leader. I'm passionate about education and Torah and Hasidic. My name is Rifki. I am a certified nurse, midwife, and college teacher. I am passionate about using our bodies and our innate spiritual abilities to serve Hashem in the most healthy and complete way possible. Together, we are pleased to present to you Bodies and Souls, fascinating and informative conversations for you, the Jewish woman. Our aim is to provide you with multidimensional information that will inform and inspire you to be the best version of yourself, supporting your bodies and souls as they strive to be the very best in fulfilling our ultimate potential in bringing Mashiach now. This episode is generously sponsored by Chickies. You can taste their delicious food at any of their locations in Teaneck, in Five Towns, in Six Flags, and in American Dream Mall. You can find out more information at chickiesfood.com. Good morning and welcome to Bodies and Souls. Your hosts for today are Rifki Boyarski and Sarah Lowenthal. Today we have the pleasure of having Rifka Caroline with us. Rifka is a professional organizer. Um, she helps women organize their lives um, from the bottom up. And we're going to talk all about organization today and how to really streamline your life so you have calm and peace and a wonderful process in everything that you're doing. So Rivka, before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about the line of work and how you entered your line of work? Sure, absolutely. So I basically entered the world of professional organizing about 15 years ago. I had started a master's degree in psychology and I thought, oh, this is really fun. I can do this on the side and kind of help moms get their sanity back. Because as I was being a mom of more and more kids, I just realized like things that were simple. I grew up in a house of two, like things that were so simple for my parents was really hard. And I like to crack codes. I'm a code cracker. So I like to like um, break things down, make it simple and teach other people like a little bit like if somebody found like a coupon, you know, are you girls old enough to know what coupons are like, you know, before the codes, you know, <laughs> so the same way when you find like a code for 90% off hashtag stand deals, same thing for me with like time, sanity, organizing. So I thought, oh, this is so cute. I can do this on the side. Then when I graduate, I'll have like the days of like helping people with their deep, deep, dark problems. And then the light and fluffy days, helping people organize their closets. Okay. So that was my, those were my marching orders. And then it's so cliche, but as along the way, I realized that it's actually exactly the same. There's no light and fluffy piece of organizing our time or our space because we're involved. And once we're involved, that's when things get messy. So then my career kind of symbiosized, that's not a word, but it kind of synthesized where I was using what I was learning in my master's degree to help moms manage their time and their space. And I even came to the point of thinking to myself, I can't go in and help people organize their time and their space without a background in psychology, because I'm going to end up making people feel even worse. And one more, one more piece as I stand on my own soapbox is that I also 
got some amazing data. You know, in the in the social sciences research world, the most the gold level data is people's stories. And there were certain themes I was seeing in every single woman's home. Every woman was every single woman would say to me, this is for sure the worst house you've ever gone into. And you know what? What was that mom thinking about herself? How was she parenting? How was she taking care of herself with that as her foundation? So my life ended up not being so neat, but I've got a pretty good grasp on the ups and downs of having a crazy life with some clever systems because that's the best you're going to get. You know, there's no neat, there's no box, there's no getting it all together. That's it's absolutely not true. Marie Kondo tried to teach us that when she had one kid and now that she's got three she's like, "I'm sorry." And I'm like, "Really? You don't bless your pajamas at the end of the day?" Interesting, you know? So there's no promise of neatness coming from me. There's only a guarantee of messiness. But if we can keep mums sane along the way with some clever systems, then there's hope. That's the most I can bring. That's it. Gosh, Rifka, you sound right away so relatable and so likable. As you speak, I'm not afraid of you anymore. I want to right. yeah. hear what you have to say. <laughs> now, Rifka, what brought you to write from focus to frazzled. And I also believe you wrote focus finder. These two, are okay. they guides? So, so first they- of all, right. So the book, actually, what we try and teach is from frazzled to focus, but honestly, most of the time we are focused to frazzled. So it, it's, it's a merry-go-round, you know? So I wrote the book because, you know, someone who loses like a hundred pounds and they just get so excited. They just want to teach everyone. I kind of found my way back to sanity, you know, with, with the asterisk. So there's no such thing as real sanity, but I found myself back to pockets of sanity. And I knew so many people that were doing things the hard way that they were still paying like boutique prices for their time. And there's me like wholesale, buy one, get one, you know, all these tricks that I actually just felt compelled. Like, this is not fair. There are women beating themselves up absolutely exhausted, screaming at their kids, but there's a simpler way. There are, there are simpler ways. And that was 10 years ago. That book was written 10 years ago. I love that there's a grounding to everything that you're doing in understanding the people and not just replicating the same system with the same bins, house after house after house, which is what yeah. we kind of see a lot with organizers. Yeah. So the approach is very different. I actually read a book over Pesach called How to Keep House While Drowning, which I don't nice. know if you've heard about it. No, it's, also written by someone, it's also written by someone who's a psychologist, um, who nice. has ADHD. Nice. So a lot of the things that play into people not having systems and really struggling, especially in larger families that some yeah. people have. So she talks a lot about, you know, like what you said, one of the things that reminded me is you said, you know, I can't promise you a clean house. Like you're not going to get that Instagram perfect house. And she talks a lot about that as well. And I think that's really um, a big thing that moms today, women today really have to let go of. I mean, if we look at our baby pictures, our mother's homes were not Instagram worthy. Like they really weren't. And there wasn't a pressure for it to be. And then today we want our houses to be these picture perfect, unlived, you know, unmessy un- homes. But when you have seven, eight, nine, ten people in a home, it's going to be messy. Even three, even so, three. 
you know, it can even right. be a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So who reaches out to you for help? What is your typical client like? Okay, good question. So now, now what I'm doing is less going to people's houses because now my therapy business has gotten busier. And with Corona, one of the good things of Corona is Zoom. So I get to sit at my desk with my feet in a massage you know, thingy and work with people, which for a mom trying to conserve energy, like why do I want to slap boxes? So what I do now is I do, I do, I do do makeovers. I do, I do fly faces for two or three days for a makeover, which is so much fun. But now my clients are more people listening to guest podcasts, taking, I do courses every few months. It's more the group thing because it's not fair on most of the mums that need me can't pay and I wouldn't let them pay the price for me to come over and organize their house. So I would much prefer them to learn the skills, lower the bar, take care of themselves and slowly implement changes one piece at a time. That's fascinating. So you're doing more macro training instead of yeah, the micro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, here's my question. I always view, I guess, the world population in terms of two categories, the organized and the disorganized. I, I see it even with my kids. Some of my kids, are not, their rooms are beautiful. They don't lose anything. And some of my kids, I actually even think to myself, oh, my God, when they have their own houses, I don't know if I could visit them. They're so disorganized. It's going to be a pigsty. So is it worth it? Meaning, do we accept that some people are naturally disorganized? They're not able to put systems in place. It's too challenging. And they're fine living the way they're living. Or do we insist that everybody enters the realm of being organized? Excellent question. I haven't been asked that question before. So this is what I would say. Like everything else nowadays, it's very much on a continuum. So there are going to be people that are chronically disorganized. Now, I'm going to bring self-esteem in. So if someone's incredibly disorganized, but in the mental health world, we always say, is it getting in the way of day-to-day living? Okay, so someone's so disorganized, you would literally get heart palpitations walking in their front door, but dinner's on time, the kids can always find their shoes, it's this flow. Okay. So we're not the flow police where we're like, uh, uh-uh. you have to flow. This stream has to flow a certain way. As long as it's flowing, we're good to go. The issue is when there's no flow. So you're disorganized, you know, but you have five different pairs of shoes for your kids in Ziploc bags by the front door. Great. No, don't change a thing. Okay. The areas where that are red flags to me is there isn't flow. The children can't find their homework. They're chronically late. There's, you know, let's let's branch out to kids for a minute. Kids, I do a lot of work with kids. Kids are very, very egocentric. Children's worlds have to have, no, no perfection. Children's worlds have to have predictability. A bedtime routine. I'm not saying with, you know, measuring stick and a, and a, a, you know, a clock, there has to be a sense of predictability. So if you can't have the sense of predictability because life's too big, let's say somebody was managing great with three kids, but now there's four kids and it's just the old systems are not working and there isn't, hasn't been time to, you know, upgrade, upgrade the systems. Then that's where we look. We look at the day-to-day living and we look at the flow. 
what you're saying reminds me of, I'm just reading a book on ADHD by uh, a physician. His name is Gabor Mate. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. so you know, scattered world. minds. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I happens to be ADHD is quite strong in my own personal family, probably myself included. Yeah, yeah, my um, family too, and me for sure. Okay. <laughs> and I, I'm up to the part in his book where he talks about it's not how many symptoms you have of ADHD. It's not where you find yourself in the DSM, but it's the dimension of ADHD, meaning to say, how is how severe is it impacting your ability to manage? How, what is it? Yeah. What is it doing on your day to day life? And 100%. it's probably similar to what you're saying. 100%. The you disorganization. Yeah. Right. CEOs of every type have ADHD as a prerequisite. So as long as things are flowing, it doesn't matter. I remember a lady, um, she was a friend of mine, actually. She was in dental school and she was like, my life's too busy for dinner. We just take out, take out. We, we take out, take out every night. That's what we do. So if there's a hack that someone's doing because they know their weaknesses, phenomenal. You've cracked the code. You're teaching your children resilience, which is like, bing, 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 you know, massive, massive thing. Nothing matters. And you're talking your way through it to with the kids. Phenomenal. Okay, if you were to come to my house, you would see a mixture of like mess. You know, it's post-Pesach and I'll always prioritize mental health. Always, always. I'll never, ever be mean to my kids. I will be like, it's six o'clock. I'm going to bed. I'm going to find your mom. I'll see you. You know, there's dinner. I'll try and get up in an hour. I'm not promised. Like I will prioritize mental health because they're older and they, they understand me. But I'll never like step all night making sure it's clean. Never. However, you if you were to come to my home, you'd see some really clever systems and some real mess. Because you know what? That is what real life looks like. It's not dirty mess. It's not old mess. It's just unflowing because I've chosen something else over it. Was it my mental health? Did I go out with a friend? Did a kid have to have some time with me? That to me is what success looks like. The museum houses, that's a red flag. Because then the kids, you know, there's a Montessori style where the kids put things away. That's great. But the museum style, not so great. Oh, good. So all the normal moms now feel great about themselves. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So there's two things that um, really stood out as you're talking. First of all, messy versus like messy is not the same as dirty. So that's really, really important. If your house is clean um, and there's a mess at the end of the day that gets cleaned up, that's okay. So I think that that's also a very important thing because people often look at messes and go, oh, it's so dysfunctional. Well, actually, it probably isn't. It's just a moment of chaos and then we'll deal with it. Um, The second thing is the systems. And I really want to break this down a little bit. Are there some hacks that like work almost across the board that people who don't have a system can listen to this and implement? Do we have any one size fits all? Okay. Generally speaking, everything is so customized. Everything. And I see this. I see women who are like, my life is chaos, but there's always dinner on the table. My life is chaos, but there's everyone has a shining area where they're like, I've cracked the laundry system, you know, whatever it is. So what would be some some um, one-size-fits-all system? Um, here are some one-size-fits-all. A menu plan, a meal plan. Now, remember, a meal plan isn't to box you in. We've got a lot of creative people. Once you work in the ADHD world, you've got the creativity comes along with it. So some people get very stressed, like, why is she making me have roast chicken and potatoes on a Tuesday night? Maybe I want fish, you know. So I would say in terms of mothering, 
it's really great to have your decisions pre-made in your areas of stress. So if dinner is something that you struggle with, and dinner is a big one, because ultimately we have a double life. We have our life nine to five or six to five or six to four, whatever our day job is, whether we're taking care of our kids, whether we're working, whatever we're doing, it's all the same. There's one day job. Then once the kids walk in, there's the second shift. Okay. And that second shift is really important because we want the kids going to bed feeling loved. You know, if my day is a washout, that is my only goal. I don't care how much chocolate I eat. I want the kids going to bed feeling loved. Okay. So that that's it. So then supper's a big deal because if dinner's not made, then how are you going to deal with hungry kids, hungry you and do bedtime routine and be nice? Like to me, the dinner is like the gas in the car, you know, it's no, no different. So to me, a menu plan is super easy. Even if I just decide what four things I'm going to make that week, I pretty much do the same thing every week. Make, I had to change the recipes a little bit because my younger kids are, are more pachechi than my older kids were. So like I used to be able to throw chicken and roast potatoes in the, in the oven. And now I have to like do the sesame stir fry, you know, but it's, I still will do chicken because it's, I don't want the decision making. I don't want to decide. So I would say to your really creative people that have a hard time with dinner, at least decide the protein. Tell yourself it's fish on a Monday night, meat on a Tuesday night, chicken on a Wednesday night, pizza on a Thursday night, done. You now can use your creativity to do however you want, but at least you don't have decision-making overload. But that would be one, a good laundry system. A good laundry system can be one that you give to your cleaning lady. A good laundry system can be that you do it every every Sunday. A good laundry system could be that you throw one load in every morning. It doesn't matter. But just have the laundry and the dinner flowing. Um, Bedtimes for the children. You know, all the, again, it's all in a sense of flow, not in a sense of sergeant major. Fascinating. It's really fascinating how you have distilled the three major areas. One more also, more clothing, more uniforms for the kids and more clothes for mommy. Because I think that's the stress area in the morning. I can't find my, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I remember when my kids were little, I would get an extra, like an extra uniform shirt and just keep it in my closet for that moment where it's like, I can't find my, here you go, (laughs) you know? The socks, the underwear. I I always had like a magic drawer of just pulling out things because it's just not worth the drama of trying to leave with a kid with no shirt, you know? So yeah, those would be, those would be the the cut and paste one size fits all. And even as you're saying it, it's not that there's a really prescribed method. You're saying, make sure this gets done, but if you need to compensate, if you need to figure out another way to do it, there's our, our moms are so genius. I had one mom who for her, she couldn't stand clutter. She's a brilliant woman. Sometimes the more brilliant, the more hard it is. Sometimes she would, she had like five young kids. She would put their clothes from the day in like one of those sock bags and she would wash it at night and dry it. And they would wear it the next day. They didn't care. It was like five young boys. And for her, that was her liberation. It's genius if it works. It's if it's it's genius if it sets you free. For somebody else, it'd be like, I cannot do that. They have to wear it. You know, great. What what's your genius that sets you free? 
Could we talk about decision-making? You briefly touched upon it. You said something along the lines of you want to eliminate decision-making. You're making fatigue. There's a lot of research on decision-making fatigue. There's an author, a professor, Dr. Barry Schwartz, who wrote this book, I'm going to say 20 years ago, and it was called The Tyranny of Choice. And it's so applicable to mums. And he basically said, we're in an age where there's so much. We have an abundance of everything, everything. Even if you want to buy olive oil, you go to the store, there's like 80 varieties of olive oil. Go and buy salt, there's 50 varieties. There's so much. But if you look at the population as a whole, everyone's anxiety and depression is and addiction is way up. And he correlates actually too many decisions with poor mental health. So we do that. So in our parenting world, as a, as mums, we try and eliminate our own overwhelm by doing like a rough meal plan. So some people are liberated by knowing it's apricot chicken on Monday nights. Other people are liberated by knowing chicken. Whatever it is, whatever reduces the decision-making but doesn't quell your creativity. Um, and with children, we always give two choices. That's the, that's the number. Do you want oatmeal or do you want yogurt? You know, that, that seems to be the, that seems to be like the main takeaways. So I love this, but I'm listening and I'm listening and I'm thinking, you know, maybe, maybe this works for people who the husband and wife are on the same page, right? Like, oh yeah, let's like get this all together. And then you have a really laid back husband who's like, oh, yeah. bedtime, it's okay. Yeah. Or they're like a husband who's really strict and he's like, show, eight o'clock, let's yeah. go, right? Yeah. So, and then you have to merge these two different yeah. styles. So one of the things like I do, and I don't know how you feel about it or if you have another um, method is I talk a lot about treating your home like a corporation. <laughs> Maybe because I'm in like that world a little bit, like have meetings like we have on mm -hmm. the first Tuesday of every month, we sit down and we have like what appointments our kids yeah. need to have and what yeah, yeah, yeah. and we like touch base. I, but I think that it's, it's a little bit simple minded to think like, oh, you can just make these decisions on your own. And then the house is going to flow because there is another person here. Yeah, absolutely. To like, and also, generally speaking, husbands' personalities bounce off of ours so that it works, so that it works. But what you can do in these meetings is find out what's important. For example, one husband might say, all doctors and dentist appointments, you know, either you you make them and take them or I can take them on Sunday mornings or whatever. Or other husbands are like, no, I need to know every time. Like, it's important to find out what's important to the husbands and what's not so that things can keep flowing. You know, I think that's an important thing. I'm impressed you can meet once a month. To me, with young kids, things are just so much more dynamic. There's so many decisions you know, floating back and forth, you know, maybe a weekly meeting is better or every we, two. Weeks. We still, we still talk to each other and talk like we do live in the same house, but like the big thing is like the shop yeah. table, this is not working, you know, like those type of things. We, I like, love it. I love it. To, like, go out for I love it. Yeah. We do, we do still communicate <laughs> other than that. Um, I think, okay. So the next thing that like really, um, I really do want to talk about is the internal pressure that we have. And we kind of spoke about it a little bit with social media, but I do want to unwrap this a little bit more about why our generation feels so much pressure to have a home that looks a certain way, to be the perfect, you know, balabasta 
and to to really like it, I almost feel like it's coming at the expense of our kids because it's really not helping them like this this unreasonable expectations we used to call them Pinterest moms now we call them Instagram moms right like it's all these like big like focus on the nitty gritty that maybe we don't have to focus so much so could we unwrap the why yeah. and how to avoid it yeah let's unwrap it a bit so what what would be the cause so number one phones phones are a massive problem because being a parent is very overwhelming and when I was a young mom you know what was the most I could do if I wanted to like escape was like playing solitaire on it wasn't even a phone back then it was I don't know what it was even called like playing solitaire or reading a book you know now there's a phone right there Phones are created with the whole dopamine hit. And it's literally created to suck us in. So if there's kids drawing blood and screaming, you know, in the next room, or you can just look at this like Instagram story, well, no, no big crisis to see who's going to win. So the phones are a huge issue. We've also got the WhatsApp world where it's, you know, it's not, it's power of, it's not bad. It's not good but it is distracting. So our attention is an issue. So number one is social media where we compare and despair. You know, there's no comparing without despairing. Then we have the phone situation where it's taken our focus, like, okay, I'm in mommy's zone for the next hour and a half. I'll get three down and then I'll, now you're distracted because now this person texts you about this and this person WhatsApp you about this and look at this. So you're distracted. So your, your focus is turning into Swiss cheese. And then I think there's some pressure that I think every mom group has. If you were to poll every mom group, you know, like I think every mom across the board, there's a certain, well, I've got it together. And that's something that I don't think is going to change. I think it's our responsibility to have that discussion with our friends and with our daughters and our sons and try and shift that sometimes. Um, I think it's a little bit bigger than us, honestly. Are you referring to a sense of inadequacy? A sense of like everyone's okay, but I'm not okay. My house is the worst. You know, I think that's an area where that's the self-growth piece. Like I said, if you came to my house, you'd see some cute systems. You'd see, you know, a bunch of laundry on the couch also. That's that's the normal that we want our daughters to see. That's the normal we want our friends to see. And that's the normal that we want to embrace and be like, this is where I am right now. And it doesn't mean that there's no dinner. It doesn't mean the kids are late to school. It doesn't mean there's no homework. It just means that that's where I'm up to right now. It's so fascinating to think that this feeling of, never being enough, good enough, predated social media, meaning social media could have exacerbated. Definitely. definitely. Uh, no, no question. But this feeling of, I don't have it together. Honestly, even the people whose homes I would go to who were so together were like, no, 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 no. You have to see my linen closet. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of got the anxiety OCD kind of warning, you know, bells around it. And then, then how does that transition down? How does that translate down into our families, into the vibe in the house, into what the children are thinking? So what's your advice? Are you leaving us? 
Honestly, <laughs> my advice would be, listen, I'm not going to walk down Kingston Avenue in, you know, in my cozy clothes. You know, there, there are social, there are social norms. However, like it, to me, it starts with ha- my relationship with myself. You know, that's how it, that's the number one. Then with my daughters, they all know. And they all like one of one of my daughters came back from camp one. She's like, mommy, you're a fraud. I'm like, okay. Like she's a teenager. Of course I'm a fraud. You yeah. know, so she was like, mommy, this lady had this perfectly organized house. And she, we went over as counselors and she was like, oh my gosh, don't tell your mother what a, ha- a mess my house was. And mommy, her house was better than ours ever is. And I was like, oh no. Like how did how did this happen? Like, I, this is not the message that I wanted to give over. So how do we do this by having honest conversations and just being, I'm not going to stop posting the laundry on my couch on social media. I don't think we have to go there, but I think it is a narrative of like, I'm doing the best I can. And this is what it, this is what it looks like today. So changing a system, let's say you don't have systems in your house and you are overwhelmed or it worked for you until now. And now you want to change is there an initial adjustment period or initial time that you have to put in more like investment, like time investment and communication? Question. Well, essentially, you know, I'm, I love all systems. You know, when I get a parking ticket, I'm like, good, the system's working. You know, like I love all systems, <laughs> love all systems. Um, a system is essentially a habit. It's, it's, it's essentially a healthy habit. It takes about 30 days to start to, to really float a healthy habit. So some people say to me, okay, where do I start when everything's a mess? I'm like, easy. Find the area that causes you the most stress. Okay, so some people like my floors, there's clutter everywhere. Or the laundry, it makes me crazy. Or dinners, breakfast, bedtime. Choose one. Don't you dare start all five. Choose one. Sit down with your husband or sit down with yourself and be like, okay, what would success look like? So let's pretend it's the floors. You're like, I just want to go to sleep with nothing on the floor. You know, maybe not the playroom, but like nothing on the floor. Okay, great. What would, how would that look like? Okay, seven o'clock. Let's say you've got older kids, seven o'clock or six o'clock. I'm going to put on their three favorite songs and we're cleaning up the floor. Okay, great. Let's try that. And it's going to take 30 days to do an initial hypothesis. Does Putting on three songs, work to clean up the floor. And you'll be like, no, they were dancing the whole time. And I didn't have the heart to be like, don't dance, clean. So now we do 10 minutes and then we dance on the way to the bath. It's rare to do it the first time. You know, look at your phone. You see a bunch of different photos you take till you get a good shot. It's going to put you're like, okay. Or then you're like, I worked out that it doesn't work with the kids whatsoever. I set my timer for 10 minutes. I put on Rabbi Gordon for 10 minutes. So I do hummus, I tidy up and I feel so fabulous. Done. Who knows? But here's the thing. I tell myself when I pass by messy areas in my house or things that cause me stress, I tell myself when I have more time, I'll right. be more organized. It's too, it takes too much time to be organized. It takes more time to be disorganized. So this is what you this is what you're gonna do some days, not all days, some days. When you go buy a pile of something, just pick up one thing. Pick up one thing and put and then what you can do just for fun, not for life, for fun. You could, could there's a saying that I love slash hate 
which is don't put it down, put it away. So one day a week, you can do don't put it down, put it away day. You can have fun with this. You can have fun with this. Or you can do don't put it down, put it away till 12 o'clock and then stop. You know, it's different ways of getting things to work. Maybe you need more cleaning help. Maybe you need on a Thursday, or not Thursday night, on a Tuesday night to take a garbage bag and walk around the house giving away things. You know, less stuff helps. You know, it's all different ways. It's People want this like one fixed solution. You know, it's like when your friend loses weight and you're like, what did you do? And she's like, oh, I watched my calories. You're like, oh, that wasn't the answer I wanted. You know, it's like, how do you have less stuff in your house? How do you have more flow? Have less stuff, throw things away, give things away, give to- give clothes to a friend, share toys, have cleanup time, store things away. It's, it's, it's going to be an evolving system process and some things are going to work. For some families, that 10-minute dance party is going to be fabulous for cleanup. For another family, it's terrible. The kids got so excited they didn't go to sleep that night. You know, so it, it is going to be a question of asking your wise friends, implementing something and seeing. So you kind of like skipped over this part, which I think is probably most of people's mess and chaos is the stuff. Like you mentioned in the past thing, you like throw out the stuff, have a throw out the stuff day. We have so much things in our house. And like we spoke about this in our episode with uh, Rebecca Zaltzman about the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we are always nervous. If I throw it out tomorrow, my kids are going to be like, ma, where's the thing? And you're like spending money to buy it again. Right? right. Or are you saving it for the next kid or whatever it is? But there's so much stuff and stuff really clutters our mind and clutters our spaces. So I think that like the biggest part of organization is probably not even the organization. It's probably the decluttering of throwing out things. 100%. But but to push your point, if moms don't have a minute to even sit on the couch and catch their breath, how are they meant to organize the house? When does this happen? When does this magic fairy come in and take 80% away? So that's you know, a very good question. How does one go about decluttering right, how their do we get the magic and minimizing it? Right. So I would say generally speaking, generally speaking, we have about 80% too, of too much stuff. Generally, we use 20% of our items. So when do we do these big purges? Okay. So if you're, um, I would say 60% of moms summertime gets easier. Either they're teaching or they've got kids away in camp and it gets a little bit lighter. The question would be, when is the lightest time of your year or your week? So a mom might say, you know what? Wednesdays, I have afternoons off. I'm going to do Wednesday afternoons, you know? And that would look like, you know, a one and a half hour investment each week or a one week investment in the summer. And it's literally going around the house and just being brutal, being brutal. Now the trick is to have people to give the things to. Because if you don't have people to give the things to, you're not going to get rid of it. The gradient's too steep to go from like kid's closet to garbage. doesn't work like that. So with me, for example, I always have stuff going to Goodwill. I always have stuff going to my cleaning lady. And I always have a priority mailbox. Um, I have a friend in a different state who has kids younger than all of my kids. So for the past... I'm going to say 20 years, I've been shipping her stuff because I can't, I can't get rid of my clothes that are in good condition or the kids stuff 
So she saves me. It's worth my money to ship it to her so that it actually gets out the house. So the trick is to find someone. Do you have sisters? Do you have a friend? Do you have a neighbor? Do you have a gemach nearby? Where can it go? And then you're going to have to invest that time purging. And then at a certain point, you have to get into the one in, one out rule, which is whenever something new comes in, something else goes out. Think of your house as if it was being weighed. So a new puzzle comes in, be like, guys, which one are we giving away? Apart from magnetiles, they are the only exception to my rule, you know, <laughs> and Lego but and books. But, I'm, oh, but the truth is there could be a book that's all broken up. It's the one, and now when my kids, my kids now, it's very, very normal. Like, okay, um, I went to my closet, here's a giveaway pile. It's very, very normal for giveaway. But you want that flow. Definitely want that flow. And don't ever try and organize your toys with your kids. That, you know, if you do a summer purge or a Wednesday afternoon purge, it's without the kids. And when they say, where's my, when you never throw away things in their top drawer, but if it's like, where's that broken roller skate? Your answer is it's here somewhere. Cause it is somewhere. <laughs> As you're speaking, I am now figuring out why Fanny Miller, she's an organizer from Crown Heights. She once came to Toronto and she met me and my girls and she saw that my girls are younger than her girls. And she paid money and shipped me her girl Shabbos dresses. I was flabbergasted. I was floored. I had never in my life experienced something going to a post office, paying money. It's to go send to Canada, so expensive. Yeah. That's so sweet of her. It was, I was so grateful to her. Yeah. But now you always need somewhere to put. Always. Absolutely. Stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Whenever I do have a little bit of time, usually around Pesach or when there's family visiting, so it's an incentive and I'm decluttering, I feel better. My brain feels lighter. There's, there's some sort of domino effect. Can you talk more about how? Yeah. Yeah. A cluttered space is a cluttered mind, inner piece, outer piece. It's just, I think our, you know, the working memory can hold seven items and we have like 200 items in our working memory. There's probably some study out there that our brains need, you know, a certain Zen look. And then you've got all the clutter and you're just like, this is the most unzen feel in the world, you know. So find one area, clear it off, you know, set your timer, first of all. Like be like, okay, one hour, turn your ringer off find your area, take all the items off of the area, the shelf, the counter, the closet, whatever it is, clear it off, clean it down, and then invite the items back. Have a garbage bag next to you, have a giveaway box next to you. Invite the items back. You should have about 40% of the items going back. And the nice thing is doing one area is going to give you hope. You know, we always want hope. What someone who's overwhelmed got a hope deficiency. So even if your house is crazy, but your junk drawer is now organized, you'll be like, the house is falling apart, but come see my junk drawer. You know, and that really makes you feel good, you know? (laughs) And then the next week you'll be like, I'm not doing the junk drawer. I'm doing the car, you know? How do children play into this? So are children expected to do certain roles in the home organizational field at a certain age? Or does it really fall squarely on the parents? I'm going to answer that question um, from the eyes of the children's development. And I would say it depends on the mom. So if it's holistic 
and organic where it's like in our house, when we play with a toy, we put it back. That's amazing. You know, your sons-in-laws and daughter-in-law are going to thank you forever because that that's the ideal. If it's going to be barking orders, it's not worth it. M- mental health will always trump organization. But if it's family policy, we leave our shoes by the door, backpacks by the door. This is what we do. That's a really nice way of making things happen. And backpacks and shoes and pajamas, putting your nagelvasser away, like certain things like that, but never at the expense of us shouting. doesn't work. False economy. You have incredible insights. And I see what a beautiful blend you give your clients of really practical tips combined with psychology and human development. Thank you. Can you leave our listeners with one last thought that you would like us all to walk away with? I'll give them something to walk away with. It's not, it's not going to be about organizing. I'm going to say there's a saying that I really like, and that is if trying harder doesn't work, try softer. And that means for you as a mom, if you're having a rough day, stop, stop trying to like scroll, compare, what do we call that? Doom scrolling. Be like, I'm having a horrible day. I need to go on the couch. I'm ordering in pizza. I'm asking my friend to help me make some Shabbos. I'm going to put the kids to bed feeling loved and stop looking at the house. If your house is overwhelming, you get a tablecloth, cover that shelf. If it's making, if, if, If you're using that shelf as evidence that you're not enough, get your most beautiful tablecloth and cover it up just till tomorrow morning, just till tomorrow morning. But that's, there's no change that ever happens without a solid foundation of self-love. I love that. So we're giving grace. We're giving ourselves grace. And that's such a big deal to allow us to be and to be worthy in the space that we're in, no matter how it looks like in that moment. Rivka, this has been so uplifting and so positive. And I think that the women who are listening not only got tools, but also feel better walking away from this conversation. And I think like Batanya tells us, that's really the space where growth happens anyways. It's not when we feel bad about ourselves, but it's when we feel good and we feel capable and we feel worthy of what we're doing, that's really where the change comes in in a really deep way. So I think that's really important. Rifka, if anyone's listening and they want to bring you out to talk to their community or they want to get in touch with you or, you know, want to collaborate with you in any sort of way, how do they do that? Probably WhatsApp. You can, you can post my number. It's public. Okay. And are you on social media? I try not to be, but I am. okay that that was a real answer okay so we're going to post Rivka's information down at the bottom so in the show notes you could just go ahead and click through thank you so so much for this wonderful conversation um it really is very very real and very relatable and so that we really really appreciate the time and the tips um and Sarah's going to go tackle her can of cables, her box of cables that we know she still hasn't tackled. <laughs> How do you remember about my wires? <laughs> I listen, Sarah. Thank you, Rivka. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Thank you for having me. Bye, guys.
for listening. We hope you enjoyed and grew. Original music of Shamil's Nigan provided by Chazan David Katak. We look forward to your input, feedback, and suggestions. We also have partnership opportunities available. Please email info at bodiessouls.com. Again, info at bodiessouls.com with two S's. Thank you. Thank you.